Welcome to week one of What Now? Um, we were originally in a series, those of you who are regular attenders know this, we were originally in a series called 2020, where we were building up to our 20-year celebration as a church. Now, obviously, the times we're living in right now and what has all been placed on us is not allow us to celebrate as a church the way we want. So we're going to postpone our 20-year celebration until such time we can all get back together again and uh, do that in person. So we knew we had to pause what we were doing to talk about COVID-19 and this coronavirus crisis. So for the next two weeks, today and next week, that's what we're going to do. And we're all kind of wondering, okay, so, so now what? You know, what do we do now with all of this? Uh, because, man, I tell you, we are living in a new reality, and you know it. You feel it. I've heard people say this, and I, I can't remember who I heard say it originally, but as soon as I heard it, it resonated with me. It's like we're living in a movie, right? I mean, I feel it. I know you feel it. Quarantines, um, shelter in place, closures, shortages of everyday products that we need and buy all the time, economic uncertainty, and then all the panic, right? All the buzz and the panic and the media and all of that, just wow. And, and then people are dying too. And, and so it's not just the fact that the stakes aren't high. No, the stakes are very high. And it's like things change every day and sometimes multiple times a day. It's like you want to check the news every six hours or so because something new has developed. This, this is just crazy. It's unprecedented. We don't, we don't know what's next. We don't know what to expect. We don't know who to listen to. And we certainly don't know what to do. That's why we're talking about this because we want to discuss together what are we going to do? What, what does God expect us to do as a church? As followers of Jesus, as a, as a community of neighbors and friends, much less as brothers and sisters who are connected in humanity. I mean, what are we to do as citizens? Now, I wanted to come to you with something more than well, here's what you need to do. You don't need to be afraid. You just need to uh, have faith and don't fear, right? I mean, because that's certainly true. That's certainly true. But that's being said, and it's being said a lot. It's being said a lot by a lot of voices in the church and, and a lot of people who are well-intended, and it's a true statement. We do need to fear not. That is absolutely true. But what do we do instead? Right? What do we replace once we fear not? If we can get to the point when we are not rattled with fear, what do we replace the fear with? What are we to do practically? And so that's what I want to kind of spend a few minutes talking to you about. I got to thinking the other day about, and I know this is going to sound like a totally pastor thing to say, but okay, I, I am one of those guys. So, you know, what would Jesus say to us? If he were here presently today physically and he had the microphone or he was given a message or given a sermon and we were all listening in and what would he say to us? Now that's total speculation because we don't know for sure because he's physically not here. However, he did give a sermon, his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And the context of that sermon was during cultural unrest 
The circumstances were not identical to ours by any means. I mean, it wasn't like the context was during a virus or a disease, but the cultural unrest was just as real, and it was caused politically. There was a power struggle going on. The Roman Empire was at its, well, nearing its height, and the Romans were oppressing the Jews in the first century to be a Jew, especially in the Jerusalem area, you felt it. Life was altered in every way by the oppression of the Romans. And so when Jesus was born and lived and did his ministry early in the first century, that was the context. Constant power plays and power struggles in that oppression that the Jews were feeling from the Romans. And so make no mistake, even though it wasn't like a COVID-19 virus or a plague kind of thing, the world was very unsettled and people were constantly jumping to conclusions and panicking and freaking out. And there were all kinds of conspiracy theories and on and on and on and on. So when Jesus shows up one day and this massive crowd of people were following him and he goes up on this hillside and he gets in front of these people, probably thousands of people gathered, And he teaches them and gives them what we call now the Sermon on the Mount, recorded in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. I would encourage you to read the whole thing because it's chock full of so much that not only is applicable then, obviously, but today, so many things that we can learn and that transfer into this crisis, the coronavirus crisis. And so what I thought is maybe there's some things in the... Sermon on the Mount that we need to pay attention to that specifically applied to what we're going through right now that would help us know what to do. So I read it, read it again, and about the third or fourth time, slowly reading through this, some things really began to jump out at me. And what I want to do is just kind of peer in and highlight some excerpts in three different parts of this sermon. Now, there's a lot in this sermon. Again, you should read it for yourself. I encourage you to do that. Take some time. You're sheltering in place now, so you should have a lot of time um, to read. But there are three specific areas. The first area that I want to dive into, and I want you to hear Jesus' words in the context of what we're going through now, thinking through the filter and the lens of COVID-19, is a part in this sermon where Jesus begins to talk about prayer. Specifically, what we often referred to now as the Lord's Prayer. Because you talk about times where we need to spend time in prayer. And there is a real need for prayer. It's times of crisis like the one we're in now, like the one they were in in the first century. It's in times of crisis that we are reminded of our dependence on God. And prayer is almost like a cry a cry for God out of a context of complete ultimate dependence on Him. And I believe this crisis has made people wake up to the fact that they need God probably more than ever in their lives. So I want you to hear this, and I want you to let the words of Jesus kind of sink in as you think about what He said about prayer and how to pray in in that context and how it relates to our context. So Matthew uh, chapter six, seven, I mean five, six, and seven, the Sermon on the Mount, about chapter six, 
verses 9 through 13, it's where Jesus begins to talk about prayer. And Jesus in verse 9 said, this then is how you should pray. So he's getting ready to tell them how he wants them to pray. It's very interesting. Then he begins. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father, our heavenly Father. That's the context of prayer. And believe me, context changes everything. When you know that you can approach God in times of crisis, or any time, but especially in times of crisis, as not just the man upstairs, or somebody listening, or God if you're there, or God if you care, but no, 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 it's very intimate. It's very personal. It's Heavenly Father. Someone who is very much concerned with what's going on in your life because you're his child, our father. He goes on to the next part. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. This part, on earth that is in, in heaven. So there's in this sense that there's something that God wants to happen here on earth that starts in heaven. There, there is a reality of God's way of thinking, God's way of living, God's way of doing things in heaven that He wants to become a reality here. God's purposes there need to be reality here. And so even in times of crisis, and often, especially in times of crisis, we need to be thinking, how do we bring God's way here? How do we do things God's way here? How do we bring God's way of thinking, God's way of living, God's way of processing reality here? How do we live out God's purposes here, now, today, especially in times like this that we're living in? This next part is so real right now. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Now, this is basically more than bread. This is, um, they, even though it certainly applies to daily bread, and in many instances, we can relate to that now, this is essentially about our needs, whatever needs we have, our most pressing real-life needs. He's saying when you pray, you tell God what you need. Every day, each day, this is what we need today. And man, are we there now? As people are crying out to God because, God, I can't find what I need in the store. God, I, I don't, you know, everything from what? Toilet paper to milk to, you know, formula for a baby to diapers to you know, wanting to make sure we stock up in case we can't get the essential things that we need. You fill in the blank. I, I don't know what it is you're running short on. I don't know what it is that when you pray, you find yourself going, God, I need this. God, we need this. But that's how Jesus said to pray. Give us this day our daily bread or whatever it is your need is. And this next part, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, we're going to be all up in each other's business like, like we haven't been in quite some time with all of these quarantines and shelter in place and stay at home. So when people that are not used to spending a lot of close, intimate time together are pressed into each other's spaces, eventually tempers are going to flare, people are going to lose their junk on each other. And you've probably already experienced it, right? 
there's going to be a lot of forgiveness that's needed. There's going to be a lot of reasons for you to look to each other and say, will you please forgive me? Or look to each other and say, yes, I forgive you. This is a part of the way that Jesus said to pray. And then this next part, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Well, there's so much there. The part that jumped out at me is, is deliver us. I mean, that's a way to pray right there. You know, God, deliver us. Deliver us from what's happening here. Deliver us from the negativity, the evil, the evil one, the effects of sin. However you want to understand that, that cry for God to deliver us is real. You feel it. I feel it. You know what? I think this would be a good way to pray maybe every day during this crisis. Maybe you should find a time individually to pray through the Lord's Prayer. It's not about saying it. It's about praying it. And that's different. You don't just, you know, our Father who art in heaven. It's not just about something to rehearse and say over and over again. Think it through. Pray it through. Maybe you do this individually. Perhaps you do it as a family. But get into the daily rhythm of praying every day and often, and maybe the Lord's Prayer is a great way for you to start and come back to. So as I was reading through the Sermon on the Mount, that jumped out at me. The next part that jumped out at me that to me is so spot on for what we're going through right now is the part that Jesus was talking about worry. I mean, come on, we're worried, right? I mean, some of you are a little worried, some of you are very worried, and some of you are freaking out. And I think, I think we're all over the map. Jesus talks about worry, and he gives a couple of examples. He's still in chapter 6, but he said, I want you to know that your heavenly Father cares about what you're going through, and he takes care of you. And he gives two examples. Uh, he says, now listen, I want you to consider how God takes care of the birds. You can hear a lot of the birds out here. Right? These birds, God takes care of them. He just always does. And he said, God cares more about you and about me. He cares more about us than he does the birds. So if he takes care of the birds, he's going to take care of us. So don't worry. He gives another example. The flowers in the field. You can drive around now, and the coronavirus hasn't stopped spring from coming. So we see the flowers beginning to bloom. He says, God cares for the flowers. If he cares for the flowers, how much more does he care for you and me? Yeah. And then Jesus said this. Verse 25, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? People are running to the grocery stores right now saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Of course, you know, sheltering in place means you just wear PJs, but you get the idea, right? You get the idea. These are common fears and worries that they had in the first century, and we echo common fears and worries. There's so much panic. What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about this? And we're worried, we're worried, we're worried. Jesus said, no, 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 no. There's a better way. He goes on and says, your heavenly Father, there's the heavenly Father thing again. Isn't that, isn't that a great reminder? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Whatever it is you're worried about, He knows this. He's not surprised. Do you think this COVID-19 thing... It takes God by surprise. You think he had, he had to, you know, watch the news to go, oh, I had no idea. I didn't see this coming. Boy, this kind of came out of left field for me. No, no, no. He knows exactly what's going on. And he knows what you need before we even come to him and ask for it. So he is aware of all the things that are causing you to worry. He's there. But seek first his kingdom 
and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. It's basically Jesus' way of saying, instead of worrying and being completely paralyzed by all these reasons to worry, get your attention and your focus back on what matters most, God's purposes, God's way of thinking, God's way of living, what's most important in life, not the temporal things that, you know, what we're going to eat, drink, and wear now, what we eat and shelter and all that kind of stuff, it is important. He's not saying these things are not important. He's saying, turn your focus and your attention and focus on God's purposes in all of it. And when we do that, He provides. And all these things will be giving to you as well. In other words, God says, you get focused on the things that matter most, He'll take care of you. He sees what you need. He loves you. And He's going to care for you. And then He wraps up with this. This is so powerful. Therefore, in other words, as a result, don't worry. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. In other words, tomorrow's going to get here soon enough, and tomorrow there'll be enough to be concerned with tomorrow. Then you focus on today, and he says each day has enough trouble of its own. We talked about this not too long ago in a series that we did, is that worry won't change tomorrow. Worry only changes you and me. You know, tomorrow is going to take care of itself. Today is all you and I can handle today. Now, now listen, I don't, know, I don't know how this virus has got you worried. I don't know how it's got you freaking out a little bit. Again, some of you, you're, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I'm concerned. Okay, however you want to say it. I don't know how this has got you on the edge of worry. But your Heavenly Father knows. And he wants you to settle down. Not that your worries aren't important. Not that your worries don't have valid foundations. But he says, I want you to choose to turn your focus back to what's most important. And God will provide for you. Plus, worry doesn't change tomorrow. And you got your hands full with today. So true. And I think these are the things Jesus would point out to us in this situation that we're in. One more, one more area that I want to highlight. When I got to chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, and I saw how Jesus bottom lines how we should treat each other. Now remember, they had their own crisis going on. So take what he says in verse 12 of chapter 7 and apply it to here. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. That's an interesting statement. I wish we had more time to talk about that. Let me just highlight it real quickly. This summarizes the law and the prophets. He's basically saying everything you know about God up until this point, the essence of all the Jewish people knew and understood about God from the Old Testament is summarized with this. That's a pretty powerful statement for Jesus to say that. He says, do to others as you would have them do to you. Often is referred to as the golden rule. A lot of people know the golden rule, but a lot of people don't know this is what Jesus said. So in their crisis, what Jesus wanted them to know is, hey, how you treat each other is important. Treat each other the way you want to be treated. Treat them the way you want to be treated. Love them the way you want to be loved. Talk to them the way you want to be talked to. Listen to them the way you want to be listened to. Do to others as you would want people to do to you. In everything, in everything, in good times and in bad times, even in virus times, 
in times when you're upset, in times when you're happy, in times when you're glad, in times when you're sad, in times when you're worried, in times when you feel strong, in times when you feel weak in everything, you come back to this. I want to treat you the way I want to be treated. You treat me the way you want me to treat you. And if we will treat each other the way we want to be treated, so much will get taken care of on its own. And you and I will have the strength and the focus and the ability to come together and unify through just about any crisis if we will just do that simple thing. Okay, so as I was reading through these, these words of Jesus, those are the three areas that popped out to me. And there were three specific words, I think, that emerge out of these things that, it, that gives us something that we can tangibly do. We can do this. You can do it. I can do it. We can do it individually. We can do it together from wherever we are. And it's real simple. And I'm telling you, when, when the world is you know, just freaking out and all kinds of crazy things are happening, it's often the most simple things that we come back to that ground us. The most simple things that give us focus, the most simple things that get us through. So three words, three takeaways. Here they are. Word number one, you could have guessed it, pray. Pray. It's what Jesus was talking about. Pour out your heart to God. Make it a daily rhythm. Pray in private. You can say things to God that you can't say to anyone else, and you can say it to God in ways that you can't really say it to other people. Pour out your heart to God. Pray with your family. Pray together. Get into a daily habit of prayer. Even using the Lord's Prayer, if that helps you kind of come to a focus. In fact, that would be a great exercise to do, not just individually, but with those you love. Recently, I came across this in my notes, and I referred to this uh, back on Thursday or Wednesday when we were doing the live Instagram prayer moment. But I saw in my notes the other day when I was kind of looking through things that prayer often moves mountains and prayer also often gives us the strength to climb them, right? So we would love for prayer to just take this all away. But for right now, this mountain is not moving. This mountain has to be climbed. This viral mountain has to be climbed. And prayer is what will give us the courage and the strength and the ability to climb it. I love that. I don't know who said that. I don't know where that originated, but I think it's fantastic. This COVID-19 thing is the biggest thing I think our country's faced since 9-11. That's my personal opinion. You can agree to disagree. That's fine. But we need to pray. We need to pray individually. We need to pray together. We need to pray as a church. Just pour out our hearts to God. He's listening. Second word. Second word. We're talking about what we can do. We can pray and again, here we go. You've heard this before, but we come back to the things we know. We can trust. We can trust. I know it's not something tangibly you do with your hands. It may not be something tangibly you do with your mouth, but you can express, even through prayer, trust God. I trust you. Trust God to provide for you. Trust God's provision. Choose trust over panic. Choose to trust when you feel like worrying because God's got you. He's got you. I don't know if you've heard the name Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom lived during World War II. And she and her family were instrumental in helping many Jews flee Nazi oppression and persecution. Unfortunately, she ended up 
in a Nazi concentration camp herself. And in some of her writings, she said this. I think this is so applicable to today. Corrie Boom, who knew a crisis, said this. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Listen, I'll say it again. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future. And boy, boy, we don't know. So unknown right now. Never be afraid to trust that unknown future to a known God. Trust. Trust. I don't know where you're tempted to worry right now. I don't know where you're tempted to freak out a little bit. Maybe it's about food. The perfect opportunity to trust. It could be with simple things like toilet paper. Trust. Maybe it's a money thing. Money's getting tight. Money's running out. Maybe your emergency fund is gone. Maybe you're thinking, what emergency fund? Trust. Maybe it's a job thing. You've lost your job. Talked to a a lady via text in our church just a few days ago who is a hairdresser. She's unemployed right now. Or maybe you still have a job, but you're afraid it's going to go away. Or maybe you're having a hard time doing your job from home. Trust. Maybe it's your health. You're terrified of getting this virus. Terrified. Trust. Maybe you already had health problems. Maybe you're like, man, I was trusting God just to make it. From, from week to week as it was, and now this extra layer of this virus is just adding more complexity, and I'm, I'm scared. Trust. Okay. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future and leave an unknown future in the hands of a known heavenly Father. One more word. Pray. Trust. You're not going to be surprised with this next one. There's nothing more foundational than love. That's what Jesus was saying. When Jesus said, do to others as you would have them do to you. When Jesus said, treat them the way you want to be treated. It's exactly what Jesus said in John 13 when he gave the new command. Love as you have been loved. Love each other the way I have already loved you. Same concept. Love. Do as you want others to do to you. Love as you want them to love you. And you do this at home, and you're going to have a lot of opportunity to do this at home because you're going to be home a lot. You do this in the grocery store. When you got your eye on that last roll of toilet paper, and you're not the only one that's got your eye on the last roll of toilet paper, what do you do? Right? When you're having a conversation with your neighbor out on the street corner, and you ask them how they're doing, And they tell you, man, we're about to run out of this, and we're about to run out of this, and we can't find this, and you got plenty. What do you do? You treat them as you would want to be treated. Online, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, how you talk to each other, how you respond to each other. Love, love, love. When you help meet needs in other people's lives. And there's so many needs. Love. Pray, trust, love. What do we do? What do we do? What can we do? Pray, trust, love. 
And I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know what we're going to face next individually. I don't know what we're going to face next as a country. And if it's not, I mean, I can, pr I can promise you that this thing ain't over. I mean, just, just look at the news. It's, it's, it's like it's just kind of spinning out of control. And it's more than just the virus. It's our response to the virus. So I don't know. I, I understand we are living in uncertain times. What can we do? Pray, trust, and love. And I don't care what happens next. We won't go wrong praying, trusting, and loving. Let me take a moment and pray for you and pray for us. I ask that you join me in this time of prayer because the, the most natural thing to do is to go to our Heavenly Father and do exactly what He asked us to do in uncertain times of crisis. Dear Heavenly Father, we don't know exactly what you would say if Jesus were physically here. But we know what you said to another group of people 2,000 years ago facing their own life-altering crisis. That you taught them to pray. And you challenged them and welcomed them to trust you. Then you taught them to love. So that's what we're going to come back to. Many of my brothers and sisters that are watching are afraid. I battled my own fears. We're so uncertain. It's out of our control, so much of it. So Father, help us to do what you have taught us to do. These simple things. May we come back to them over and over and over again and watch how you do great things in our lives and watch how you do things in our community around us as we do these things together. May we pray like we've never prayed, trust like we've never trusted, and may we love at levels like we've never loved before. So Father, we come to you acknowledging our dependence on you trusting you and sharing the love that we have received from you so abundantly and so graciously. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so next week we're going to talk about a hot topic as it applies to this crisis or any crisis, whether it's a worldwide, nationwide crisis or even a personal crisis. And it's the question of where's God? Where's God in all of this? I hear people asking this question, assuming that God has nothing to do with this, or think some people think that God is responsible for it, or God's using it, or God is whatever. They, you know, where's God? Why didn't God stop this? Why did God allow this? And so many questions about God's involvement. We're going to talk about that next week. Send an invite to your friends, your neighbors, your family members, especially if you know that they've been asking these kinds of questions. So we'll wrap up. What now next week and talk about where's God in all of it? And you just might be surprised. Thanks for joining us.